chapter, and we're just going to read for a short time here. Psalms chapter 127. I believe that God wants to do something here this morning. And if I get a little radical, it's because I'm addicted. My voice is not all that great right now. I've been taking a lot of cough drops, but nevertheless, passion might seep through a bad voice. Psalms 127, do you have it? Verse 1, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Look at this. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. I want to read that one more time. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Father, I pray that you would be with us here this morning. Build us, construct us, do what you will within our lives, God. We give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise in Jesus' name. And all together we said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, are you under construction? I want to have my construction work come on up as well. For those of you that are familiar with my style of preaching, I like to have analogies here. So you can kind of see what I'm talking about when we say under construction. Now, if you were here a few months ago, I spoke a series on the full armor of God, right? How many remember that? The full armor of God. Now, today we're talking about construction, and yet, nevertheless, what's funny is that even in today's day and age, if you are going to work hard or you're going to build anything, doesn't it kind of look like you have to have the full armor of God on? The helmet? You got to have that. You got to have it. Matter of fact, for those of you that work on a construction site, you know, a legal construction site, in many of the zones that you go in, if you walk in and you don't have a hat, they tell you to leave, right? Yeah, you can't be here. You need to have a hat on. Even the world can tell you, hey, if you're going to build anything, put your helmet on. I'll speak to somebody right now. We have right here, we have the belt. The belt of truth, it holds different things. He's got his hammer right here. He's got the screwdriver. He's got everything. He's got measuring tape. It's all ready to go. And then even if you're going to have a good solid foundation and you're going to walk, you've got to have your boots. Right? You've got to have it. It's just, it's a part of where, what you're doing, building under construction. Somebody say under construction. By the end of this service, I pray that you're going to have that in mind, in heart, under construction. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Give him a great big hand. I just wanted him to come up here. Thank you, Brother Sal, our construction worker of the morning. What does it mean to be under construction? Now, as we take a look around our city, even here in the city of Hayward and all throughout the 
probably the, the Bay Area, but especially particularly in the East Bay Area, we see a lot of construction happening all over our streets. Amen. Even just on the drive here, even though there was probably not a lot of traffic driving here, not a lot of cars, there still might have been a little bit of traffic because of construction. Things just happen like that because of construction. If you turn one corner, you'll probably see a bulldozer somewhere. If you turn another corner, there's probably orange cones everywhere closing one lane and having you merge into another. There's bright orange and yellow mobile signs that show you a new route to take due to construction zones being established. When it comes to big, beautiful buildings, we adore them. Even grand bridges, we cross over them really easy. Even some become wallpapers and portraits because of the constructions that adorn our cities. And we put them right there in our houses. Look how beautiful the buildings are. Huge constructed buildings are a wonder to look at. But I want to ask you this question. What did it take for that building or that bridge to look like that? You know what it took? Construction. Somebody had to take the time and construct that beautiful adorning building. Today we're going to take a look at the at life of a man that had been constructed on purpose for a purpose. He went from the shepherd's field to the battlefield to the royal palace. This man was a man by the name of David. Somebody say David. And we're going to take a look at David the shepherd, David the soldier, and also David the king. But we're not just going to take a look at his life on what happened, but we're going to take a look on how these plans came about. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and come and, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord in verse 14. And will bring you back from captivity and will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. For I know the plans I have for you. I like Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, the plans that he has, they are not your plans. See, the plans that you think, see, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you. See, but many times we come into church thinking, okay, God, I got a great plan. I know you're going to love it. Just hear me out, God. It's going to be a great one. Okay, I'm going to come into the men's home three months. I'm going to be clean. I'm good to go. I got a great plan. Doesn't it always happen like that many times? We come in and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready for God now. And you come in with this whole agenda. And God's looking down and says, I don't ever find that in Scripture where it says, you got great plans and I'm going to bless your plans. He says, no, no, I've got great plans. But I need you to know something. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I never found this scripture more true than when I heard this story. It's a story about a foreigner who came to the United States, but particularly he came to California. It's actually a true story. 
that I heard from Pastor Patrick Roberts. I don't know if you know him. He is the pastor there in Victory Outreach, Connecticut. And he came here to the United States from the Netherlands back in 2000, and he came here to live. And he came here for the first time. And I'll never forget this story that he had shared uh, with me. And he talked about how when he came here, he was so excited. I mean, so pumped. Now, if you're very familiar there in, in, with Europe and, and the Netherlands in particular, is that they are very multicultural. Now, we think here in California we're very multicultural, and we are, but not nearly as much as being there in Europe. Just California alone is as big as about four or five countries there in Europe. So when they have different cultures and different nationalities, they really do. Matter of fact, even there in Europe, they don't speak just one language. You can't. You have to speak about at least three, four, five. Some of them speak even seven or eight languages. I mean, they're very multicultural. I mean, they just have it. So Pastor Patrick, when he came here, he was a multicultural kind of guy. And he came here and he was excited. And his first time there, it was one night at the UTC. He came to the UTC. And there was people from all over the world. And there he is, him and his wife. And he's excited. You know, it's, you know the year 2000, great things are going to happen. And so they're telling him, okay, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't our pastor at the time. Uh, Brother Patrick, can you come on down? We're going to have dinner. Oh, all right, dinner. You know, he's excited. He's a multicultural. He's just, all right, pumped. He says, all right, what's for dinner? And they told him, tonight for dinner, we're going to have enchiladas. And I remember he's like, ooh, enchiladas. What's that? What's enchiladas? I've never heard of that. Oh, enchiladas, you're going to love it. Well, what enchiladas is, it's, it's a tortilla, and they kind of cook it, and they make it, and they put inside, they got some meat, or, you know, you could put chicken, or olives, and they got the cheese, and they just melt it all together. And Patrick was like, yeah, enchiladas, that sounds good. And he has an accent, too, so he's like, ooh, enchiladas, you know. Well, he would say, like, all right. And so he was excited. He had enchiladas. He said he loved them. They were great. The very next morning, they were having breakfast. They said, today for breakfast, Patrick, we're going to have nachos. It's like, nachos? What's nachos? Well, well, nachos, what it is is it's a tortilla. You cut it up, and you, you put it right there, you know, these chips. And you put cheese on them, and you have some meat, and, you know, you can add some stuff on it. And like, ooh, nachos. All right. I'll take that. So he had nachos. Then dinner came around the next night again. And so, you know, Pastor, he's excited. All right. Yeah, all right. Tonight, what's for dinner? So he's excited. Oh, tonight for dinner, we're going to have tacos. <laughs> and he's like, ooh, all right. What? You know, you got to remember, he's from Europe. He doesn't know all this stuff. He said, all right, tacos. What's, what's a taco? Well, a taco, it's a tortilla. You kind of wrap it up and you put some meat inside of it and you got lettuce. And he's like, oh, okay. All right, I, guess, I guess you just fold it now. All right. That's cool. All right, a taco. A taco. So then he had a taco. Oh, he's excited. The next day, what's for dinner? Tonight, we're going to have chimichangas. What's a chimichanga? Well, chimichanga is a tortilla, and you kind of fry it, and you put it around, put meat inside of it. 
you could put some sour cream or guacamole. It's like, all right. Okay. Kind of sensing a pattern here, but all right. So then the next day, he says, all right. Well, we had chimichangas. We had a taco. You know, we had nachos. We had all this stuff. Uh, no, we're going to have something different tonight, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. This is totally different. Tonight, for the UTC, we're going to have burritos. Well, what's a burrito? Well, a burrito is a tortilla. You kind of fold it up, and you put meat inside of it, and you get some beans. It's like, what in the world? Like, wait a second. And he, right away, he just started going, man, you Mexicans are creative. You get the same thing, and you call it a different name. As soon as he came to and thought, man, all these Mexicans are creative. He goes, man, what's for lunch? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. This is brand new. We have a quesadilla. <laughs> what's a quesadilla? Well, it's a tortilla. You put some cheese inside of it. <laughs> it's the same thing. Over and over. Mexicans are creative. Tostadas, you name it, it's all over. What, what doesn't have it? I mean, that's how much of a tortilla, that's how much Mexicans love tortillas. Even though you have a burrito, there's chips right there, just in case you don't like <laughs> Creative, the same thing, over and over. See, the goal was to eat food and get filled. That's the goal, right? That was the goal. But the thing was is that it came in many different ways, but it was the same thing over and over. It came differently. It sounded differently, but the same thing was still going to come about. You were going to eat and get filled. See, many times within our lives, even though we don't recognize it, it's the same thing. And the same thing is that God wants to build you. It may come differently. It may look differently. It may have a different name attached to it. But it's the same thing. God wants to do something in your life. You may think, oh, man, see, and this happens. I can't find it so much true, especially of us, uh, those of us in the inner city. Many times we think, man, if I just move away, something better is going to happen. What's funny about it is that you can move as far as you want, but still God still wants to do something in you. See, many times we come to church and we think, okay, God, do something for me. But God's saying, no, before I'm going to do something for you, i got to do something in you. It may have a different name attached to it, but my friend, God's still trying to get something in you. See, this morning I pray that you let this word get in you. Not just say, oh, that was a good word. It's got to get in you. You have to get this inside of you. Not just let it be a part of a good message in your library, but say, God, I want to get this in me. Somebody say, get it in me. See, God's trying to put something inside of you. He's trying to construct you into the man, into the woman, into the marriage, into the father, into the mother, into the husband that he's called you to be. He's trying to construct you to be that man that he's called you to be. He's trying to get it in you. Somebody said, motivation is when your dreams put on work clothes. See, this morning, I pray that you would allow yourself to be under construction. Now, before we get into the life of David and how God orchestrated so much within his life, 
I want to take a look at how his plans all came about. Now, not too far previous before this life of David, but just right before David's anointed chosen position, there were events that took place prior to his choosing. This morning, I want to go over the life of David, and we're going to talk about it for these next few Sundays. I want to kind of go into a chronological story on this man, David. Now, how many are familiar with the life of David? Raise your hand. If, you're, if you are, I pray that we're going to kind of see some new things. And if you're not, I pray that you kind of take heed to the word and to this life of David. When we read about the life of David, he comes onto the scene when a prophet by the name of Samuel waits for a young shepherd. But without going too deep into the life of Samuel, who is Samuel and what did he have to do with David? First Samuel chapter 8, look with me there, verse 4 and 5. Because we're going to take a look at this life of David, but how God constructed everything just for him. Constructed it on purpose for a purpose. Can I hear an amen? Now we're going to jump into it right here, so I pray you're ready. If you've never taken notes, right now would be the time to ever take notes. This would be a good time. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old. Stop right there. That's cold-blooded, don't you think? That's cold. But that's how in dire need of the children of Israel, that's, they were just ready for it. Like, you ever have those moments where you're just like, man, I don't even care. I'm just going to say it is what it is. They were like, I'm going to be real. That's how the children of Israel, that's how they were thinking. I'm just going to be real. And then they really found out the mistake that they made. We'll see right here. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. Now without getting into too much detail of Samuel, we see the people of Israel wanting a king just like everybody else. A popularity contest was going on within the nations. And Israel wanted to be just as popular. So God gives them exactly what they wanted. They wanted a king, so God gave it to them. Now, they didn't want to wait on God, so God hears their cry and gives them a ruler. Now, when you study on how they even elected rulers or kings, they, they wanted a good-looking king. They wanted somebody who looked the part. They wanted tall, dark, and handsome. That's what they wanted as a representative of their nation, a good-looking representative. That's how the people would choose kings, somebody who looked good. They don't have to be good. They just have to look good. I remember years ago, I don't know if many of you remember, but do you remember when they had the presidential election? It was a big thing, George Bush against uh, I forgot who he's running against uh, exactly, his fir the first term. Uh, but it was a big thing about if George Bush was a military man. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember. It was a big, big deal. Uh, Kerry, he was going against John Kerry. And it was a big deal on whether he was a soldier or not. I mean, that was a big thing. Like, oh, we, we need to be a, he has to be a soldier. We're in a war right now. You know, didn't even care how he looked, right? Because they, we wanted a soldier. We, and it was, oh, he was in the Air Force. He was not. And when you actually study much of how we elected many of our presidents, it had to do with the military background. 
the presidents of the United States. Much of it did have to do with that. Some of them didn't, but many of them did. But then you just kind of get to a point where you're like, look, I don't even care. I just want somebody who looks good. I don't care if he is good or not. Just give me somebody who looks good. See, at the beginning, Saul had a measure of humility to begin with, and he seemed able to rally people around a cause. But this quick choice for a king also became a quick choice to point fingers at due to the hard times within Israel. What happened was he stopped walking with God. But thankfully, God did not abandon his people. First Samuel chapter 13, we're going a little quick because I want to get into the life of David. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. This is Samuel talking to Saul who is now the king, and Samuel says, you acted foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out, somebody say sought out. It says the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, just to kind of bring you up to speed, first, the children of Israel said, hey, we need a king. We need somebody. Somebody's got to be there because you, Samuel, you're old. That's cold. Even when I read that scripture, I still look at it, man, that's cold-blooded. That's messed up. And to think, here's Samuel, a great prophet, a great man who did some great things. Remember, even when the, uh, the Philistines were going to attack Israel, uh, the Bible says that Samuel got a sacrifice, and he went and got seen the sacrifice. He heard their cry, and the Bible says that he called thunder to shake up the, the Philistines. They didn't know what to do. They were in a panic. That's what the Bible says. They were in a panic, and Israel came out, and they conquered the Philistines. Matter of fact, the Bible says it made them run. And here's the prophet Samuel, a great mighty. He's a prophet, but he's also a man of war. Yes. Here we are. And this man of war that Israel was behind said, all right, Samuel, we're going to back you. But guess what? You're old now. We've we got to get somebody else. Man, I was, I was just right here fighting with you. Right. Okay, I, I guess so. So what happens? Here's Samuel. He comes. He says, okay, we're going to get another king. And they say, no, 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 we want to be like everybody else. So what does he do? Okay, I'll give you a king just like everybody else. You want tall, dark, and handsome? Here he is. You can have him. He's yours. Great, all right, great. Now that we got somebody. Then all of a sudden, Israel found out, man, the choice that we wanted a couple years ago, uh, can we switch him? No, you can't switch him. He's yours. You can't, he's yours. Wait, wait, but he wasn't as good as I thought he was. I understand that, but he's yours. Your choice. Even ladies, listen to me. Be very careful in the choices you make. Because you may think, oh, I can switch them. No, no, no. Marriage is not dating. Even though in marriage you still date. Get that one. Chew on that. Listen to me. Marriage is not dating. Marriage is not, oh, man, this is going so great. Oh, this is so awesome. A month goes by. Okay, he's getting on my nerves. Somebody take him. No, 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 no. Somebody can't take him. You take him. He's yours. Somebody changed him. No, ain't nobody changed him. He's yours. Oh, tall, dark, and handsome. More like big and ugly. <laughs> Be very careful. See, this also happened to the children of Israel. 
He said, all right, we got Saul. And then all of a sudden, Saul left God. And they went, wait a second, hold on. This is not what we thought. No, this is exactly what you thought. This is what you wanted. So then all of a sudden, in the midst of all this turmoil, Samuel cries out and says, okay, God, you hear your people. What do you want to do? So the Bible says that Samuel told Saul while he was king, while he was a king, he says, look, you left God. You did this, you did that, and you're in the wrong, but I want you to know, you're going to stay king, but God has sought someone out. God has been constructing someone for the children of Israel all along. You stay there, but God is constructing somebody right now. He's sought out. He's finding someone. That same phrase, sought out, look with me here, that, that word sought out in verse 14, used here by Samuel, is the same used in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, where God tells Samuel that he had already chose another king. The translation, some of your translations say, have provided. That, the, that phrase, have provided, means ra'ah, which means to appear, approve, behold, take heed, look upon, or look at this, to foresee. God foresaw. Can you imagine me as a father if I foresee danger and I don't warn my son? If I foresee something, I see, I can tell right away. My son, he's like, oh, I want to go do this. And I look ahead and, no, you can't do that. Oh, but dad. No, no, no. I foresee. I can tell. But see, the great thing about God as our father is that he doesn't say, no, you can't do that. Get over there in that corner and don't ever move. That's not what God does. God doesn't even tie your hands together and say, no, 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 you can, don't touch that. Actually, God says, no, 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 hold on. I'm going to warn you by building you. I'm going to prepare you for what's ahead. See, a lot of times we think, okay, God, God, just, if you can get me out of harm's way. And God says, no, 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 that harm, it still may come, but I'm going to build you so that no harm may destroy you. See, are you hearing me? Under construction. Tell your neighbor, under construction. See, he builds his people to handle the situations, not just necessarily take away the situations. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, iron sharpens. See, a lot of times we think, oh, God, if you could just get rid of her, just get rid of him, man. Just get him out of my life. No, they're there to do something to you. They're there to build you, to construct you. See, he doesn't just give you the desires of your heart. He makes sure that first you delight in him. See, God's way of warning you is by building you. See, he's constructing you right now for something greater later. This was very true of a young boy by the name of David. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 6 says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. This must be the one. It has to be. He looks the type for a king. He's tall. He's impressive. He's definitely a, a, probably a man of war. Look at him. But see, what happened was Samuel looked at the outside, but he could not see the character of Eliab. See, not just Eliab, but also Abinadab, Shammah, and all seven of Jesse's sons that were present at that time. See, God told Samuel, you're going to choose a king, and he's going to be from the house of Jesse. So what I want you to do is get them all together. And so he saw Abinadab. He saw Shammah. He saw these men and said, man, on the outside, they look great. 
But on the inside, something was corrupt. On the inside, because remember, Israel had already had an inside corrupt king. God says, no, I'm not going to allow this again. I can't have this happen again. This is not going to take place. I've already got somebody in mind. I've been preparing him. I've been constructing him. I've been putting something inside of him that no one else sees, but I see it. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his, his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Can you imagine having the sight of God where God looks at the heart? See, you and I, we look on the outside. Oh, man, they look good. Look at that suit that pastor's wearing. Man, that's good right there. Somebody told me, hey, you're wearing charger colors. I said, all right, cool, thank you. Outside, I'm right, I like it. But I remember watching a, a, a video, a movie years ago, and it was all about this guy who was very, very shallow. He was very shallow. That Everywhere he looked, he was very shallow. And then all of a sudden, somebody laid hands on him. That's really what happened. Laid hands on him. Boom. And he got to see people who, for who they really were. I'm like, whoa. Can you imagine having that? Where you can really tell people. See, now I don't think, I thank God he doesn't allow us to do that. Because if we were to do that, we'd be so prideful. We would be so prideful. We look at people and go, hey, you look good on the outside, but you're horrible. I know exactly what you're thinking right now. We wouldn't know how to do, we wouldn't know how to use that. But see, but God, he looks at the heart. That's where God looks. See, and there was one that God was looking at. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11 says, So Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought him. He was ready with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Now here is David. He's just a teenager. He walks into a house still smelling like sheep. Remember, he just came back from the shepherd's field. Still smelling like sheep. And all of a sudden, an old man walks over to him and pours oil on his head. Random. What did David do? What would you have done in this? What would I have done in a situation like that? This kind of stuff doesn't exactly happen every day. But see, God's ways are not our ways. God's thinking is not our thinking. What did David do as soon as he found out he was going to be the next king? All of a sudden he's anointed. I'm going to be the next king. Can you imagine that kind of power on a young boy? I'm going to be the king. And I just cannot wait to be king. Those are for all the parents right there that constantly watch Lion King. Hello, somebody. Because something like that, oh, man, I'm going to be king. That's going to be great. Can you imagine all of a sudden here's a young shepherd. He goes over to the, to the store and he says, uh, can you change my business cards? Yeah, change them from shepherd to uh, king. 
Can you imagine this young boy, like, going to the department store and something, checking out crowns? Ooh, look at it. That fits me pretty good. Yeah. That looks a good crown right there. Remember, he's a teenager. He's young. You're supposed to do what young people do. Have fun. I'm young. Let's have some fun. I'm a king. Ooh, I'm going to rule over everybody? Yeah. Sounds pretty good, right? That's what you would normally think a young person would do. A young person saying, you are now going to be the president of this uh, school, the president of this company. You're gonna, man, you are now the CEO. You are king. All right. Can you imagine? He walks around with a badge right here, says, bow down. When you see me, bow down. 16 years, 17 years old, young man. Hey, you would think that that's what a young man would do. But see, God did not choose a young man who was after his own desires, but he chose a young man who was after God's own heart. See, when we read the scriptures, we read of how David actually went back to tending the sheep. He actually went back to the shepherd's field. See, when you have the construction going on in your life, there are a few things that you need to be aware of while you're in the shepherd's field. Are you hearing me this morning? Right now, we're going to talk about the shepherd's field. Tell your neighbor the shepherd's field. Now, when there's construction going on in your life, number one, always expect delays. I don't know about you, but I hate delays. Oh, gosh, I hate delays. They get on my nerves if I had one. Ah. Oh. So like you're driving, especially like right here. I don't know if you ever drive right here on mission. If anybody else drives on mission, you kind of take it all the way down. Right here, you're like, oh, it's great. I'm driving. It's good. I'm good to go. And then all of a sudden, you just kind of hit industrial, and then you go towards Tennyson, and then you're just like, what happened? Okay, this is, wait, wait, hold on. Like, I only want to go like not even 100 feet, but just to go like 100 feet takes like 10 minutes. Oh, that gets on my nerves. Oh, that gets on my last nerves. Have you ever driven it? Maybe I'm the only one. I'm venting right now, huh? That's cold, huh? Just venting. Have you ever driven in, in traffic before on the freeway and you're driving and you're just like stuck? You're going like not even two miles an hour. Not even two. And you're just like, oh, okay, here we go. And you kind of see all these cars up ahead and it's just a long line like there. And all of a sudden you just keep driving a little bit, keep driving a little bit. You go a little bit faster. You go five, ten. Finally, you get up there at about 20, 25, 35 miles an hour, and finally you start going the speed limit. You start getting the speed limit at 50, and you're like, okay, what? but you don't see anything, nothing. Like, you don't see a car. You don't see a cop. You see nothing. All you see is a little old lady on the freeway like this, barely looking. And this is a true story. I wish I was making it up. I'm not making it up. <laughs> looking over the wheel just like this, going 30 miles an hour in the fast lane. Just like that. And I remember driving, like, what in the, oh, Jesus, touch her right now in the name of Jesus. Like, man, you mean to tell me that this whole hour I've been in traffic is because of her? Jesus! Now, I know I'm a pastor, but I'm also human, amen? It's just like, I, I kind of, I'm not kidding. I really sometimes feel like getting out, parking, and just kind of pushing her car. Like, come on, sister, let's go. Name of Jesus. But for some reason, when you're under construction, you must always expect delays. 
Can you imagine there David being anointed? You're the king. Now go back to the shepherd's field. Wait, wait a second. I'm, I'm the man here. I'm the leader. I'm the one. Wait. Nobody ever likes to hear wait. Everybody always wants to hear, let me pray for you. I'm better now. Nobody ever wants to hear, let me pray for you. Okay, now go back and keep doing what you're doing. Wait, what? Hold on one second. This doesn't make any sense. Why do I have to wait? Why do I have to stay right here? I'm in a rush. I want to hurry. I need to get this going. Anything's got to happen. You see, being in the shepherd's field allows you to, a few things to happen within your life. Number one, when you're in the shepherd's field, it allows you to be alone with God. Nobody's there. It's just you and God. See, when you're in the shepherd's field and God is constructing you, it's just you and God. Can you imagine Adam and Eve being the only ones on the earth? Just me and God. That's it, just me and God. See, when you get alone with God, you're able to discern his voice from others' voice. See, when you're there being constructed by God, he's speaking with you. And if you really read the life of David, and we're going to talk about it later, you could tell how much he was alone with God. He wrote so many songs about God. God the songs that we sing today are sung thousands of years ago. Why? Because of his time alone with God. We sing David's songs because of his time alone with God. What are the songs that we could sing about you because of the time you were alone with God? See, when you're in the shepherd's field, you get alone with God. It's just you and him. Nobody else. Just you and him. See, when you're in the shepherd's field, you can discern the voice of God and the voice of the sheep or even the voice of the wolves. See, the Bible talks about how there will be wolves in sheep's clothing. See, but if you're in the shepherd's field, you're able to discern what those voices sound like. If you're not in the shepherd's field, you can't tell. Anything sounds good. The first guy that comes around winks at you and says, hey, sister, God bless you. Let me shake your hand with this hand. It's my good hand. God bless you. Ooh, he shook my hand. Such a strong, tall, dark, and handsome man. See, if you're not in the shepherd's field, you can't discern the difference. You can't tell. It all looks the same to me. He looks good. She looks good. They look, it looks good to me. Well, it looks good on the outside. But on the inside, you can't tell. But when you get in the shepherd's field, God can construct you. God could speak to you. It's just you and him. No one else, just you and him. And you can tell the difference if it's God or not God. Many times people come and they say, well, how do I know it's God? I don't know. What is his voice telling you? You will know because if you've been in the shepherd's field, you will know if it's God. You can tell if it's God. Many years ago, I made a... Uh, uh, New Year's resolution. I think I was about 20 years old, 21 years old. And I made a New Year's resolution. I will never drink soda ever again. Now, I know many times we think, oh, I'm not, we don't stick to our New Year's resolutions. But I did. I stuck to that. And so it's happened many a times where I've been there in a restaurant and I've got there. I always, can I get some water? I just get water because I drink a lot of water, Gatorade, and orange juice. Those are my three things, water, Gatorade, and orange juice. And I drink those a lot. I drink those a lot. And so there's a, many a times I've been sitting at a restaurant. There's a, been a bunch of us around, and they bring us water. And I remember grabbing a, a cup of water or a cup that I thought, and I drank it. I go, oh, what is this? This isn't water. I'm all upset. No, this is not water. This can't be. And my wife goes, no, 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 that's just my soda. I said, oh, okay, sorry. 
But right away, I could tell. I didn't even have to, uh, the appearance of it. It looks like water. Just glance at it. Sprite looks like water. It's clear, liquid. There it is. And I take a drink. Something's not right. See, I had a discernible taste to tell the difference if it was what I thought it was. See, when you get alone from God, what happens is you separate yourself from the things of the world. But when you don't separate yourself from the things of the world, you can't tell the difference. Looks like God to me. Looks pretty good to me. And that's why every time when people are trying to tell you, come on, you got to do it. Well, I, I don't know. I can't tell the difference. No, no, no. I, I think you should kind of, you should separate yourself. Well, what's the difference? It's all the same. You need to get alone in the shepherd's field. You need to allow God to construct your heart, construct your mind. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. If you're going to get and go after God's own heart, then my friends, sometimes you got to let go of the other ones that have been uh, taking and, and cluttering your heart, been cluttering your mind, been cluttering in your life, been cluttering all that, all that drama, all that clutter. you got to get away from it. you got to separate yourself from it. Many times I always hear a lot of people, man, they're drama. Man, they're drama. Oh, man, why is that person? They're just bringing drama in my life. Well, probably they're bringing drama in your life because you attract drama. Probably because you love drama. Don't get mad. Oh, she's drama. The only reason why you even recognize drama is because the drama's in you. I know some of you didn't want to hear that right now because some of you always say, oh, she's drama. Well, probably first you must realize that that is in you. For those of you that say, man, I just want to get away from drama. Okay, well then get the drama out of you. See, you need to get alone in that shepherd's field and say, God, I don't want this in my life. I don't want to be a man that always constantly is looking, like, looking at women like this. I don't want to be a woman that is constantly gossiping about this. I don't want to be a person that is always negative. God, take this out of me. But the only way it's going to happen is you've got to get alone with God. Separate yourself. Get in the shepherd's field and say, God, I just want to hear your voice. I don't want to hear anyone else's voice. And listen to me, married couples, you got to be able to do this even as a married couple to discern the voice of God. Being able to say, God, I want to hear your voice and your voice alone. See, also being in the shepherd's field, it helps you discern the voices, but it also builds your strength in the shepherd's field. Remember uh, David told King Saul, he said, I fought a lion and I fought a bear. You remember that? Can you imagine being anointed king and then all of a sudden a bear and a lion come your way? And you say, wait, 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 it ain't all that serious. I'm going to be king. I ain't going to go fighting lions and bears. I'm a king. I'm, I'm anointed. I'm great. I'm a great guy. But David says, no, I don't care. I'm going to fight this lion. I'm going to fight. I know what I'm called to do. See, because what was happening is God was building his strength. He was building him for something greater later. See, he didn't know anything about a Goliath yet. All he knew was that there was a lion and there was a bear, and I'm going to fight him. See, some of you are thinking, okay, God, you're going to make everything better. Yes, he is going to make everything better, but here comes a lion and here comes a bear. Wait, wait a second, God. Oh, and lions and tigers and bears, that's for Dorothy. That's not for me. That's not mine. Let, let somebody else deal with that. God says, no, you're in my shepherd's field. I'm going to build you. I'm going to grow you. Another thing that we need to be aware of when we're under construction is that you must be able to read the signs. Read the signs. See, signs are a big part of God's plan. And you must be able to read sign language. Does anybody here know sign language? Anybody know sign language? A few of you? Sign language? 
man, I, I, I can't wait till one day we even have that right here on the side and we just have somebody coming and, and doing the sign language. And, and I, I, we started a, a sign language ministry in San Diego. I loved it. It was great. And one thing I learned about the, uh, the deaf community is that they come in packs. Like if you get one, you get like 40. I'm serious. They just, they, they come. And, man, I was so beautiful to see the sign language. I mean, I, you know, all in, I think this is Lord, if I remember correctly. Lord, Jesus. I, mean, I can't remember all, all the stuff, you know. But, man, it's, it's awesome. And when I see it, I can tell. I could see the signs. See, when you're under construction, you must be able to read the signs. Because as you're going along, you got to be able to see what is God and what is not. Where do you want me to go? Where do you not want me to go? See, many times, many of us, we come to church and say, okay, God, I'm ready. i uh, I got to make a big decision. i got to make a huge decision in my life. And God says, okay, here's a sign. Well, okay, can you give me another sign? Uh, can you give, can you, I want to hear it. Can I, I'm going to close my eyes. And God says, no, open your eyes, read the sign. Okay, God, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to get on my knees. And God says, get up off your knees. Walk on your feet and read the sign. Okay, but God, I read the sign. See, when you're under construction, you must be able to read the signs. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a construction zone and I read the sign wrong and I ran down the wrong way. Has it ever happened to you? I went to San Francisco one time before. I mean, I'm pretty good at signs. I've got it good to go. One time I went down the wrong way. They have a lot of one ways. And I was like, okay, I got, you know, I got this. I was in a hurry. See, that's what happens when you're in a hurry. When you're in a hurry. You don't read signs properly when you're in a hurry. And I was in a hurry. I was like, oh, man, okay, I got to get there. Oh, man, I'm, oh, man, I only got two minutes to get there and I'm driving. I said, okay, maybe I'll just go down this way. And boom, I made a turn. And all of a sudden I just see all these cars coming at me. Like, Wait a second, he's in my lane. What, what's he doing in my lane? And right away I looked down. I looked to the left, I looked to the right, I said, wait a second, the cars are parked, they're facing this way, on my right side, the cars are driving this way, wait, a something is wrong, I was going the wrong way, I didn't read the sign, so what did I do, right in the middle, Arr! I flipped it, like, no, man, I got, well, all because I didn't read the sign properly. And then what happens, that becomes a story, and we start telling stories. Oh, man, I remember one time. If you would have just read the sign, you wouldn't be having those drama stories. See, but that happens a lot of times. Most of the drama in our lives, we make them, all because we don't read the signs. Tell your neighbor, read the signs. See, many people always ask, well, what is he saying? Well, I would reply to you, I don't know, what does the signs say? Throughout much of the New Testament, Jesus is sharing with his disciples to be aware of the signs. Matter of fact, there's even going to be signs of the end times. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 14, it says, David was the youngest, the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. See, right away... David read the signs. Okay, you're an anointed king, but you still got to go back and forth. You still got to do this. I remember many a times where my father, he would just give me a look. Just give me a look. I would look. I thought, okay, I know what he's saying. I know what I, I okay, I got to do that. But right away. Because you just, you get the look. You don't even have to hear your dad say it. You could just see your dad say it. 
You know what I'm talking about? Because you've been, you've been alone in the shepherd's field. You've been intimate with your Savior. You've been intimate with God so many times you ain't even got to hear it. You could just see it. He just gives you that look like. Just that look. It's there. It's that look. Okay. I got you. But many times us, being the people that we are, we see the look from God. Okay, so what are you trying to tell me here, God? You know, like, I'm not really, I, I don't know. Well, can you do that like one more time or, you know, I, oh, you know what? I'm going to wait till next service till I change. Because I kind of saw you, but not really. And, uh, yeah, the whole double tie thing is like really, I don't know. And you try to figure everything else out. Okay, what does the sign really say? But David right away understood. He says, all right, I'm anointed king. And I can imagine Jesse, his father, just gave him, didn't even tell him anything. Just gave him the look like, you're anointed king, but you're still a shepherd. Go tend the sheep. Yes, dad. Not a problem. Got you. I get it. See, David read the signs. See, this is something that you and I, when we're under construction, must be able to see, read the signs. And the last thing, and I'm going to close with this. When you're under construction, expect delays, be able to read the signs, but also the last thing is stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Tell your neighbor, stick to the plan. See, when there is construction that goes on, and many builders that are here, you understand and you know, you just don't actually show up and have your tools ready in hand and say, okay, let's just start chopping at things. Let's just start getting there. Let's just start drilling holes. Where do we drill? It doesn't matter. Just drill. That would probably be the worst construction site ever. Because every construction site, every person that is under construction has plans. For I know the plans I have for you. See, there are plans that God has just for you. Just for your marriage, just for your parenting, just for your finances. He has a plan just for you, but you got to stick to the plan. Don't allow somebody to come and detour you and move your plans. Stick to the plan. Don't allow this person to come in and bring that drama and you go off course. Stick to the plan. Don't allow somebody to come in and discourage you and tell you you can't make it. You don't know what you're doing over there. Stick to the plan. Don't allow somebody to come in and just bring that little ounce of discouragement and say, what is going on? Why are you doing that? Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. I know it gets tough. We are in this world, but we're not of the world. And it's very easy many times to get involved in these civilian affairs and get involved in this drama. But my friend, stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. The greatest thing that I love about marriages is right away it tells you stick to the plan. It even tells you the plan for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health. Can you imagine? You're reciting the plans right there. That's the plan. That's the plan. Till death do you part. As long as you both shall, that's the plan. That's the plan. Well, no, but you don't understand. You know, this, this guy, man, he, I didn't know he was going to be like this. Stick to the plan. I didn't, well, even many of you, maybe as parents, man, my child, they're getting on my nerves. Can I just, you know, put them in, in over there somewhere right now? Just, you know, maybe I just throw them in jail just for a couple days, just for a couple days. Set them straight. 
No, they're yours. You train them, you'll be all right. Now, also, the reverse happens as well. Even for those of you, oh, my mijo, oh, my son, oh, my daughter. Don't take them to jail. God actually sometimes got to put them in jail. I don't like that plan. Well, nobody ever likes the plan, but it happens. It happens sometimes. God does things that are not your ways, that are not your thoughts. It doesn't happen the way that you think. But it all is for one goal, and that is to build you. Unless God builds the house, the builder labors in. This morning, let God build your house. Let God build you. I know many of the things that right now you may not fully understand. Well, I don't understand. For the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Many times that we don't see the plan full in its entirety, we just see a little bit. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, it's not that far ahead. You just get a little bit. You don't get the whole thing. It's not all. I can't imagine, you know, when Pastor Daryl came over here from the Philippines and the plan that I remember he said, okay, the plan, I'm just going to be here for a couple months. We'll see what happens. And his, you know, reconstructive surgery for his daughter. I mean, major surgery, by the way, major, major surgery. He says, okay, this is going to happen. But all of a sudden, God says, no, I got a different plan. I got a different plan. Can you imagine? Even within that plan, nobody, we always pray for the health of our children, do we not? Always pray for the health of our children. But all of a sudden, our children, they're struck down with something. And we think, man, God, this is horrible. Can't you change the plan? And God says, no, I know the plans I have for you. I know what I'm doing with you. I've got, it's prepared just for you. But I need you to get in that plan. Get inside. Get in the shepherd's field. I want to get alone with you. Just me and you. No one else. Just me and you. I need to build you. I need to grow you. I need you to hear my voice. I need you to understand what I have for you. I know I understand what you're going through. I need you to be able to read these signs. I need you to be able to allow this strength to be built. I need you to understand that delays sometimes are going to happen in your life. They're not always going to come right away. It's going to be a little bit of a delay, but don't worry about it. I know what's at the end of the tunnel. I've got you. And then also while you're there, just stick to the plan. Just stick to You're going to be all right. But God, wait a minute. Stick to the plan. You're going to be all right. But I don't understand. Just stick to the plan. You're going to be all right. For I know the plans. You may not, but God does. If you just stick to the plan, that's a word for somebody here today. Stick to the plan. I'm telling you, God got you under his construction. Can I hear an amen? Give the Lord a hand of praise here this morning. <laughs> Bow your heads with me. What Christ, what God was doing... With David, he didn't become king right away. There was a little bit of a delay, but God was still building him. He foresaw, he knew what he was doing. And this morning, God knows what he's doing with you. He knows exactly what he's doing. A man after God's own heart. This morning, I want to pray for men and women after God's own heart. That you can discern and see the difference when other voices come in. If you're a person, a woman, a man after God's own heart, you can tell the difference. You can see the difference. 
But you got to be a, a man or a woman after God's own heart. You can read the signs when you're a man or a woman after God's own heart. You won't try to change the plans if you're a man or a woman after God's own heart. Plans to prosper you. Some of you are here this morning. You've been going through some things. You say, well, I don't understand. Why? It doesn't feel right. I don't Why is this happening? Sometimes in the construction, things got to be broken down so that it could be built up later. Broken down so that it could be built up later. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray with many of you here this morning. That you say, you know what? I want God to do something within my life. To construct something within my life that has never happened before. Maybe some of you here this morning, you need a refreshing plan. A refreshed plan. And you've had it before. But sometimes you just got to hit that refresh button and say, okay, God. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I, I need to keep going. I need to hold steadfast. I need to put my hand to the plow. I need to not look back. I'm ready, God. With every head bowed and every head closed here this morning, as we prepare with the altar, as we prepare the atmosphere here this morning, and you say, you know what, I want to be a man. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. And if that's you here this morning, and you say, you know what, I, I want to be that kind of a man. I want to be that kind of a woman. I don't understand everything that goes on right now. But I do know one thing. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. And you're saying, you know what, this, this message was for me. I want you to do one thing with me. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to come to this altar right now. If you say, you know what, I want to make sure that I'm a man or a woman after God's own heart. I want you to come right now to this altar. I want to pray with you here this morning. Everyone else, just stand with me here this morning. Everyone stand with me. And we're going to believe God.